0: well you're all very very welcome and i just wanted to start off by saying that you all look amazing Uh, there was a lady one of the girls who was coming through this morning and i don't know if you noticed on the way in there's a welcome and then there's a the last sign on the on the way in through the door says you look amazing and one of the ladies who came through this morning said she just lifted her shoulders back and thought i'll take that look amazing. So I just want to say to you all, you look amazing. And for those of you in live stream, you look amazing too, as well as the ones on video. So um, we, we need to hear that, don't we? So here we are, and we're going to continue in John's Gospel. As you know, we've been going through from chapters 13 to chapters, well, right to the end, but we're, we're sort of coming towards chapter 15 today. And our title today is God's Recipe for Joy. And uh, I just wanted to say that um, I'm just looking here at something and maybe I need to adjust on that, maybe it'll be all right. Um, yeah, it's okay, we'll carry on, uh, doesn't matter. So anyhow, yeah, God's recipe for joy. Uh, and we're going to look at um, at the ingredients that God throws out here. You know that in chapter 13, that uh, John's um, gospel starts off with that Jesus having loved his own he loved them to the end and so there's tremendous joy for those who belong to jesus for those who have trusted him as their savior and their lord there is tremendous joy and that's what we want to talk about today about how this uh, these ingredients that god gives to the people who love him and know him as savior and lord i'm just going to throw them out there very quickly humility We, we looked at this over recent weeks learning how to wash each other's feet and we looked at John 13 verse 14 where where the Lord washed the disciples feet do you remember and he said if I your Lord and teacher if I have washed your feet then you need to learn to wash each other's feet and we, we we saw that humility is just a beautiful grace and it's great to humble ourselves before the Lord and know how great he is you know humility is not shame humility is knowing who you are in Christ and knowing that he is the one that you look to it's it's totally nothing to do with shame so humility is part of the ingredients for this recipe for joy then we look at the second uh, ingredient love one another jesus said in john 13 verses 34 and 35 a new commandment i give you that you love one another And you know, it's easy to love when somebody loves you, but you know, it's even better whenever we can love those who aren't so loving. But we're meant to love, uh, we're meant to love each other. And Jesus said that we would actually be witnesses and show the world that we belong to him whenever we love each other. The third ingredient is the Holy Spirit. Um, where we came in John 14 then, where Jesus said that he would pray to the Father who would send the Holy Spirit. And of course, we know the Holy Spirit is our comforter. He's our advocate, the one who speaks up for us. He's the one who strengthens us. He's our teacher. He's the one who brings things to remembrance. And we learned a lot about that the other day. And we know that the Holy Spirit is the one who comes to live and abide in us whenever we trust Jesus as Savior. So he's, the Holy Spirit such a beautiful, Uh, part of the Godhead. And and, uh, we want to say that he is the one who brings us tremendous joy. The fourth ingredient is resurrection power. And I I just wanted to read this just really short thing in John 14 verse 19. You know, I hadn't actually passed much remark on this over all my life until recently. I just noticed this. It says in verse 19 of John 14, a little while longer and the world will see me see me no more but you will see me and here's here's the words because I live you will live also and it reminded me of that song that we used to sing many years ago some we still sing it sometimes because he lives I can face tomorrow we can enjoy this life in Christ because Jesus Christ is alive, and you know that just that thought of because He lives. And I was reminded this morning, um, just as I was preparing to come out, uh, about how when whenever I was pregnant with William. I remember being with a group of people. Lots of them had disabilities, and we were we were worshiping together. And I remember somebody asking, uh, "Would I like a favourite song?" And I asked for this song because he lives. And I remember having you know one of those moments with God when you're singing a song. And uh, I was heavily pregnant. I actually had William about three or four days later. And the song, the verses in the song that really touched me was this verse. And I've written it down in case I couldn't remember. First of all. Well, the chorus goes because he lives i can face tomorrow because he lives all fear is gone because he lives i uh, i know he holds the future and life is living is, and life is worth the living just because he lives you see I did not read it down very well anyway that's the, that's the chorus but this is the bit one i wanted to say to you how sweet to hold and this was me heavily pregnant how sweet to hold a newborn baby And feel the joy and love he brings, but better still, the calm assurance this child can face on certain days because he lives. And I remember having a moment with God, heavily pregnant, not knowing that William was going to be Down syndrome. I remember having that moment with God and I was reminded of it again this morning because he lives ladies we don't have to be afraid and if there are some in your family or some loved ones or some situations that you're concerned about today I want to tell you that you can you can live with a calm assurance that because he lives that you can you can face on certain days and any situation that comes your way. So that's certainly the fact that Jesus is alive that he's resurrected that is one of the ingredients we need to remember. He's alive and because he's alive we can live with him. The fifth ingredient is oneness and this is where in John 14 verse 20 where Jesus says that, that he says I, I am in the Father and you in me and I in you. So let's just break that down. What does that mean? It means that when we trust Jesus as our Saviour, when we receive him into our lives, that he is already in the Father. Jesus said, I am the Father are one. So he's in the Father and when we trust him we are in Jesus. So now we're in Jesus and Jesus is in the Father and not only that but Jesus is in us. I mean could you be, any, could you be anywhere better placed? It's just the most wonderful thing. Jesus in the Father. We are in Jesus and Jesus is in us. It's just the most greatest place to be. And that is another really important ingredient. Knowing that we are one with Christ. Number six, loving God. And it's, and, and again, John 14 goes on to say, If you love me, keep my commandments. He who loves me will be loved by my father and i will love him and will manifest myself to him what does that mean it means that when we love him and want to keep his word that that is going to be a joy giver and it means that that when we keep his word and we 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 love him that he will reveal manifest means he will reveal himself he will make himself visible. He will show us himself in all kinds of situations. So that's a wonderful a wonderful ingredient that we can have. And then the seventh ingredient is peace. and we're going to read that today. We're just going to look over now into John 14 and verse 27. Here's what Jesus said, "Peace, I live with you. I, I, I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled neither let it be afraid you have heard me say to you i'm going away and i'm coming back to you if you love me you would rejoice because i said i'm going to the father for my father is greater than i and now i have told you before it comes that when it does come to pass you may know i will no longer talk much with you for the ruler of this world is coming and he has nothing in me but that the world may know that i love the father and as the Father gave me commandment, so I do. Arise, let us go from here. Now, let's just get the picture in this. Remember that from the beginning of John 13, Jesus has been in this room with his disciples. This is the night before he's going to go to the cross to be crucified. And we have we have seen that all of this teaching has taken place. They've had the, the meal together, their supper together. And now, before they get up to leave this room, Jesus says one just one last thing and he'd said it before I mean if you look back over the last few verses you'll see he said it in John 14 verse 1 about peace and he said it in various other places look read these chapters through when you go home and you'll see it but he's just reminding them don't be troubled I'm giving you a peace that's different to the world you don't have to live agitated and live a life of fear you can know peace you can know serenity because of me so he's giving them this last promise and then he's reminding them and I want you to get the picture clearly he's getting ready to to leave this room and step outside and he's going to go across the Kidron Valley and he's going to go over to Gethsemane now for those of you who been have been to Israel with us uh, you'll know that that uh, the old city in Jerusalem that you go You go down the Kidron Valley and you come to the other side where the the garden of Gethsemane Gethsemane was and that's where Jesus was going do you remember that he went there to weep uh, before they came to arrest him in Gethsemane but Jesus is saying clearly you know the ruler of this world that's the enemy Satan he's prowling around but Jesus said he has nothing in me There was no legal ground because Jesus' life was pure. He was spotless. He was the Lamb of God who was going to go to the cross the very next day and give his life for you and for me. And he's getting ready to go. And he's just about to leave this. I could almost see him just about to step out of this upper room. And and he's making this deliberate move to go to Gethsemane. And he's saying, but Satan is nothing in me. You know, whenever we trust Jesus, remember what he said? That we are in him when we're in Him, Satan is nothing on us either because he God looks at you and he sees you in Christ and you are spotless the enemy is no legal ground over your life whenever you're living in Jesus in Christ and so eh, I wanted just to say to you that that as they got ready to leave and leave this room and step outside and make this journey to Gethsemane where Jesus is going to cry out to the father Here's what Spurgeon said. Spurgeon was a great old preacher a few hundred years ago, a mighty man of God, and here's what he said in one of his, one of his um, uh, written works. He says, On the way from the supper table to the Garden of Gethsemane, or while still lingering in the supper in the upper room, our Lord spoke this wondrous parable I am the true vine. Now remember, in John's Gospel, we can see for sure uh, seven very definite "I Am"s. So remember that the "I Am" is the is the God of the Old Testament. The "I Am" Jesus was God in flesh. The "I Am" of the Old Testament. Do remember? I'm just going to run really quickly through them. He said, "I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life." I am the way, the truth and the life. And now he comes and he says, I am the vine. Now, It's interesting that because Jesus was God and the God of the Old Testament, it's interesting that Jesus was well aware that in the Old Testament, uh, that Israel itself was referred to as a vine or a vineyard. And I've given you a few references. I I, I won't read them all, but there's one in Isaiah 5. I'll just read a little bit from the first few verses in Isaiah 5 where Jesus knew that Isaiah 5, here's what it said. Now let me sing to my well-beloved, A song of my beloved regarding his vineyard. My well-beloved has a vineyard on a very fruitful hill. He dug it up and cleared out its stones and planted it with the choicest vine. He built a tower in it and made a winepress in it, but it brought forth wild grapes. The God of the Old Testament had loved and nurtured the people of Israel as his own people, but they had not brought forth good fruit, they had brought forth wild grapes. And so we see that that Jesus, eh, he knows this, and he's saying, but I am the true vine. And it's very interesting that just a week before this, just a week before, a few days before this happened, that Jesus actually preached a parable to the disciples. And you can read about it again. We haven't time to read it, but read it at home in Matthew 21, verses 33 to 40, 44. because. Jesus preached about the vineyard, and he used, he used the story in, in, in symbolic language. He talked about how the, this vineyard, which was Israel in the Old Testament, how all the prophets had come to speak to Israel, and Israel had killed the prophets, and eventually how the owner of the vineyard would send the son, but they would also kill the son. And, and just a week before, Jesus had, written, had spoken these words, this parable to his disciples, and now he's getting ready to leave uh, this supper, this upper room, and he's getting ready to step outside and go towards Gethsemane. And here's the thing, perhaps as he began to walk outside, there were probably were you know vines all around the place because israel was very fruitful place and vines were very 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 to be expected in the surroundings and it's my guess that he was passing by some vines and and possibly even uh, passing the temple now i had forgotten this and i i read it up again this week and i was quick i just found this very interesting on the front of the temple there was a great golden vine which was speaking of Israel as being the vine, God's vine or God's vineyard. And it may well have been as as he was passing by the temple, and he may even have pointed up to the, the, the great big golden vine on the temple, and he, he might well have said to his disciples, you know, I am the true vine, not Israel, not this golden vine that symbol, symbolises Israel, Israel, the land of Israel, the people of Israel I am the true vine I am that's God, the true vine, you need to be rooted in me, not rooted in Israel, not rooted in all the laws and all the stuff that Israel all of their the religious uh, things that they went through and all the observances, no you need to be rooted in me you see it's no good being rooted in religion we need to be rooted in Christ religion will never do it it'll never cut it we need to be rooted in christ and i was reminded this morning of ephesians 3 that you would be strengthened with might through the spirit in the inner man that christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the width and depth And height and to know that the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God I mean who wants to be rooted in anything else why would you want to be rooted in anything else rooted in Christ God is love we need to be rooted in him But here's the thing, and I want to read this next bit to you, because I've just given your heading here in your notes, Jesus begins to mix the ingredients of joy together. And I had this sort of a mental image. You know the way, not that I do, do too much bacon, mind you, but take an ocean down again. But you know you get the big bowl out. And you just fire in all the ingredients, and that's what I want to do now. I just want to fire in these ingredients because we're going to find that they're going to keep coming back. John has this way of of talking about stuff, and then he'll pick it up again, and then you'll go a bit further, he'll pick something else that he said in the previous chapter up again, and so it goes on. But I wanted to read this to you. Jesus is now raising his teaching to a whole new level as he condenses all that he has already taught and introduces another concept himself as the vine, and his father as the husbandman, or the gardener. The husbandman was the the gardener really in charge of the vineyard. So the father is in charge and Jesus is introducing himself as the vine. Jesus is showing that it all comes down to being one with him and the father, being rooted in his love, And as we humble ourselves and allow his love to flow in and through us, we experience fellowship with him that cleanses us and reproduces Christ in our lives. There is no separation because his life flows through us just the way sap flows in the natural vine. And through our connection, I want you to note these two words, connection and dependence, through our connection and dependence on the vine, on Christ Himself, we begin to think and talk like Jesus. We begin to even look and act like Him. This is life in the vine. Oh, if only I had, if only I had a tongue that could kind of really speak. You know, I wish I could be an orator that I could just lift this up to you, that you could catch this, that we have this privilege through salvation through inviting jesus into our lives to be our savior that we have this privilege of actually sharing the source of life with god himself oneness one with christ and being one with christ means that we will bear fruit let's just read now into john 15 here's what it says jesus said i um, again the I am of the Old Testament and he says I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser or if you like the gardener or the husbandman." here's verse two every branch in me that does not bear fruit he takes away and every branch that and every branch that bears fruit he prunes that it might bear more fruit. There's a lot of stuff in this and I'm just trusting that I can get this across to you in the right way and that I won't miss anything important because listen, these are really important things that we're about to say. He says here that every branch in me that does not bear fruit he takes away. Now for many people Kind of fear enters hearts here, and they think, "Oh, if I'm not if I'm not bearing fruit, if I'm not a fruitful Christian, if I'm not becoming more like Jesus and all, then I'm gonna be he's gonna take me away. I'm he's gonna cast me out." And you know, it's not really that concept that is meant here. The idea is that you know the way whenever um, there's a, a, a vine or something else that isn't bearing fruit. Often a gardener, now I'm not a gardener, a Jerry, maybe I should ask you to come up and talk about this, Jerry's a gardener, and and so actually is Jane, as we'll find out later. But actually, if you see a lot of dead wood and, and old stuff in there that shouldn't be, it's actually, it's actually taking away from the resources. And very often our lives, we need that to be cut back. We need that old rubbish to be pulled out so that... All the sources, all the the sap and all the strength of the vine can actually go towards fruit instead of a whole load of branches that don't mean anything. So that's one of the ideas uh, that it means that if you don't bear fruit, he takes takes away. But the other idea is, and this comes from another meaning of the word, another meaning of the word is that it, it means to take away or to lift up. Now that translation is also very interesting because apparently in those days uh, someone who was working with a vine, that's what they would do if the vine was lying on the ground and it wasn't bearing fruit, they would lift it up off the ground and they would bring it a little bit higher so that it would get some sunshine that would encourage fruit. And here's what I see. I see a loving heavenly father who is the husband man and he's caring for the fruit because he wants to see fruit in your life and he wants to see fruit in mine. And you know what? When we bear fruit for Jesus, I tell you, that's when we become most joyful. That's when we experience life the way life is meant to be lived. And so I've written in your notes that he lifted up and God will give tender attention to the branch so as to encourage Fruit bearing, But then it goes on to say here, but if the branch is already bearing fruit, then God will lovingly and tenderly prune it back. Now that word prune has the idea, it's two ideas. It means cutting, like pruning back, but the word also can mean to wash. Now listen, God's word washes us and that's the best way to get pruned, to get washed. And Ephesians tells us that. Ephesians... Um, verses 25 to 27 says christ also loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify that means set her apart something special and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word as we read god's word you know it washes us and it makes us more ready to bear fruit but sometimes if that isn't going to work god sometimes has to take the pruning whatever you call those things they, pruning, I don't know what you call it, but anyway, it's something that cuts. What's the word for it? Secateurs. Ah, secateurs, something like that. He has to take it. And I don't know if you remember seeing Joyce Mara take, bringing the plant up one time on the stage and starting to cut and cut. And none, none of us liked the idea of being pruned. <laughs> now, I remember whenever I was, I was in my thirties and I was living with my family up in Enniskillen, And there was a lovely cherry tree in the side of our house. And it was really blossoming and it, it was a lovely tree but my father decided he was going to prune it and my mother and i my mom and i we said don't, now be careful we're going into town here but you be careful with that tree we don't want that cut back too much anyway we come back well honest to goodness he had gone to town on that tree it was like something you never saw it was like it had a shock, like it had seen a ghost and we come back and I remember my mom and i we were ripping we were absolutely mad because we thought this tree was lovely but you know when it came to the next season that tree was even more beautiful and it had even more blossoms because it had been pruned my father knew what he was doing and you see our heavenly father knows what he's doing and sometimes he does cut back in our life sometimes he does prune us but it's in love it's in love that he cuts back sometimes so that he can that we can bear more fruit. And Jesus was, was really saying here that if we're already bearing fruit, he wants us to even even bear more fruit. And sometimes he just needs to wash us with his word. And sometimes he needs to cut back a little bit on things. And that can be painful. You see, true connection to Jesus will result result one way or the other in bearing fruit. And in, in Matthew 7 and 16, Jesus said that, that we would actually know who belonged to him by the fruit in their lives. By their fruits you shall know them, Jesus said. And so we see this parallel to nature, that uh, this is a spiritual lesson, that pruning is needed to bring forth more fruit, Uh, in the vine and and so jesus wants us to be fruitful believers because fruitfulness is, is another huge ingredient to to joyfulness and to becoming more and more like jesus now i want to continue on here because we're going to read down let's just read another couple of verses um It says in verse 3 you're already clean because of the word which i have spoken to you so that's again speaking of the washing of the word and verse 4 says abide in me and i in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it it abides in the vine neither can you unless you abide in me i am the vine and you are the branches he who abides in me he who abides in me bears much fruit for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, abide in me, he is cast out as a branch, and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit so that you will be my disciples so here's Jesus now and he's now asking that we invite that we we are going to abide in him what does it mean well in your notes I wrote these words Jesus is speaking of a mutual love connection between himself and his disciples The song of Solomon says, I am my beloved's and my beloved is mine. You know that that's what God has always longed for. Remember we we read that in Isaiah 5 about how the vineyard he longed for Israel to be his beloved. God has always longed for you to be his beloved. He wants to love you and he wants you to experience his love and he wants you to love him back. That is the cry of the heart of God. That is what he is crying out for here. And the idea of abiding in him means to trust in him, to totally trust in him. That's what we're talking about. And you know, it reminds me of how in Psalm 91, one of my favourite Psalms is about uh, abiding under this in the secret place of the Most High. It says in Psalm 91, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in him I will trust. So Jesus is, is wanting us to trust in him, to abide in him, and to know that, that there is safety and protection as we abide in him. You see, once we trust Jesus, and John's gospel is, i love the way john kind of keeps going back and, and repeating truths in the past and he keeps bringing stuff to life again but way back in john 3 he talked about how you know we needed to be born again of the spirit and when we're born again of the spirit then then the life of christ comes into us and this is what it means to abide in the vine to know that we are connected and dependent on god that we can't bear fruit unless we're connected to god and depending on him because it's his life it's the power of his resurrected life that's going to live through us and we're going to see as we speak out in faith and trust him and speak his word and, and are in agreement with him and living in the vine That's where we see miracles happening. That's where life gets exciting. That's where being a believer, being a Christian, totally transforms someone's life. The enemy does not want us to know that. And Jesus is teaching his disciples about living and abiding in him with no cloud between. You see, here's the thing. Once we trust him as saviour, the problem is our old nature Yes, we're born again and we get this new nature, but our old nature lets us down. And how often we act in the old nature. We are quick or we're impatient or we we, we, we stingy or you know, gossipy or whatever it might be. It's that old nature instead of this new nature, instead of letting the life of Christ and the words of Christ come through our mouth, instead of that, sometimes we go back to living in the old nature because we've got two natures. And the enemy wants to rob us of living with this new nature. He wants to rob us of the joy of being in the vine and being energised by the sap. Naturally speaking, that speaks of the life of Christ that flows through us. And so, when we when we actually live in Him, then we can experience this this fruitfulness. And, and the thing is that Jesus was going to go to the cross to pay the price for our sins so that we could be connected, so that we could be dependent on him, so that we could live with no cloud between. You know, you know, whenever you've got, you're, you're friendly with somebody and maybe you know, something's said or something hurtful and maybe there's just that little bit of a distance and you just feel a bit grieved. Maybe you feel you've, you've grieved them or they've grieved you. You know, there can be a cloud between. God doesn't want us to live with a cloud. He doesn't want us to grieve the Holy Spirit. He wants us to know that there is forgiveness. You know, it's lovely whenever, whenever two people maybe that have hurt each other can kind of acknowledge that and just, just love on each other and, and forgive each other. To be one with no cloud between that's a good friendship isn't it and that's the friendship that god wants with you and that he wants with me and he wants us he wants us to to know that that our sins can be constantly washed away now we've spoken about this in recent weeks but you see jesus was going to the cross and he was going to pay the price for sin but it was going to be a a forgiveness for sin that would be for the past for the present and for even the future the sins we would commit in the future. What a God that He wants us to! And you know how we how we experience this living with Christ, with no cloud between. We just once we know we've blotted our copybook, we just run to Him and ask, "Please cleanse me. I'm sorry. I'm repenting from that. Just wash me clean. Help me, Lord, to just obey You." What have we What have we learned? One of these ingredients is obedience. We know what Christ wants us to do. We can choose to do it. We can choose to obey. We can choose to be kind instead of nasty. We can choose to love instead of hate. We can choose to speak good over people instead of speaking ill over people. We can choose. And, and, and whenever we do make those choices, God is so pleased with us. And the life flows through us. His life flows through us. And there's no cloud between. There's nothing nothing to stop or to block that flow of divine supernatural, resurrected life that God wants to flow through us. And so Jesus had proved his love. He was going to the cross. He had proved his love. He wanted He wanted his disciples to abide and have this connection and dependence as they trusted in him. And then do you notice that it says here, if anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out of the branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them in the fire to be burned. You know, that's a very serious part of this reading because really what it's speaking about is in 1 John, John as an old man wrote about this in 1 John 2 verse 19, one of John's epistles, he talks about how there were some people who said they belonged to Jesus. But he says they went out from us, but they were not of us. Because if they had been of us, they wouldn't have gone out from us. There are some people, not everybody who says they are a believer that they're a Christian, is a true believer. And one of the proofs that we are, belong to God is that we remain in Him, that we love Him, and that His fruit flows through His fruit. Can anybody say that His fruit flows through us? And so being fruitful. Brings great glory to God. Let's just read the last few things and I'm going to tell you a wee story and then we're going to we're going to wind up. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Verse seven. Did you notice that? If you abide in in, in me, if my, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it will be done for you. If we are abiding in Christ, we'll be asking according to His will. We'll be in tune with Him, in line with Him. We will have the mind of Christ. We will know how to ask. We will know how to pray, and we will begin to see prayers answered. That is an amazing. Thing. I, I'm, I'm just get, can get so excited about that recently I really felt one day just a week or two ago I felt like God said to me when you pray to me do you really have confidence that I'm looking after those things that you're praying about I felt God really challenged me and I'm saying to you today have confidence that God hears your prayers See, this is his word we're speaking out what Jesus himself said and he says if you're abiding in me then my words will abide in you you'll know how to speak out a word in season and you will ask what you desire because you'll be in 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 line with heaven you'll be you'll be in tune with heaven and and you will see it happening you will see things being done that you have asked for and then he says by this my father is glorified that you bear much fruit that means that you pray and you cry out and you intercede and you you talk to god about people and you see things happening you see the fruit coming to pass Not only the fruit of the love and the joy and the peace and all of the goodness and all of that, but fruit and seeing people's lives as you speak into lives, to see people coming to know Jesus, see people being healed, see all kinds of fruitfulness. It's just the most amazing lifestyle. And then he goes on to say, As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. You need to keep reminding yourself that you are loved and abide in his love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Remember, do what you know he tells you to do. Ask him to show you his word. Make it relevant and obey it each day. And if you don't and you let him down, just go and get cleansed. Keep the relationship with no cloud between. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. Now, what did you hear that? These things I have spoken to you, these are the ingredients that my joy may remain in you not a flash in the pan thing this is his joy remaining in you this is your life full of his joy that your joy may be full this is my commandment that you love one another as i have loved you greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends you are my friends if you do what i command you I, I was so touched with these words last night and as I, as I typed this up I just wrote this down as your last heading in your notes Mixing all the ingredients together makes a life of joy Jesus said these things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you Greater love has no one than this, to lay down his life for his friends. You're my friends if you do what I command you. Listen, this life of living in the vine is a wonderful life, and God wants you, and he wants me to be fruitful. I want to tell you a wee story. You know that Jane uh, and, and William and I, we, we do life together. And Jane recently took, well, over the last year or two, she's been growing a few things, a few strawberry plants here, and a few strawberry plants there, and um, it's been ongoing, so anyhow, coming up to her a big birthday, which was a few months back, and we talk about I decided that I was to try and think of something that William and I could get her for her birthday. So I had this idea of one of those canvas greenhouses, so I, I thought, well, I better ask her and make sure she really wants it, so it kind of, at first, she wasn't so sure, and then she so thought, actually, I quite like that idea. So we ordered this canvas the greenhouse, and it all arrived on the front door and a great big package. And it was during that time that we were in isolation. So uh, Jane and I, and William at the beginning, we got him out, he had a hammer, I think he hit it for two or three times and decided to go back in again. But um, the, the three of us got out and we got this uh, all out and decided we would go by the instructions and we'd get this canvas greenhouse up. Well, it was up, we did put it up. It took us two days and we did put it up. It wasn't quite up where it was meant to be up, but anyway, it's up. So uh, there were four anchor points in it, and uh, we made made a bit of a joke about this. I'll tell you, it took some doing to get those anchor points right down into the ground, but it had to be anchored in four places. And as we thought about bearing fruit and we thought about, the, we were just laughing this morning and saying how, you know, it's amazing that we are anchored, aren't we? We're anchored in Christ. So we had to anchor this thing anyway. And uh, we got it slightly different. It ended up slightly different than what it was meant to be, but it's still effective and it's still fine. So anyway, Jane got all the plants and all in and everything was fine. And um, she had all these plants lined up and pots and all the rest of it. And uh, one night we were sitting in the house, and um, fire was lit. And it was all very, very nice, and we'd let the dog out for a wee while. And all of a sudden, James jumped up and she says, "I think that dog's down at the greenhouse." Yeah. So out she went, flying outside. And sure enough, Danny Boy, who's a he's a big, he's an old dog now, but he's a. Retriever, golden retriever, and wasn't he hadn't he got into the greenhouse? And I tell you, he was making some job of those pots. He had the seeds all over the place, and uh, everything was wrecked. So Jim was ripping and she went out anyway and she got it sorted. And got the, the dog it wasn't the favourite, that might I can tell you. And I got the dog out of the way and got the thing sorted out and put the soil, put a wish back into the pots. I don't know, it'll come out anyway, but there you go. So anyway, that was fine. And the next day she says, I'm going to make this more careful but the dog can't get in. So she got a few stones and stuff, put it around the bottom of the thing. So that night again we were in the room and again and the next thing she and says that dog's been out there too long and up she runs and sure enough the boyo had got in again he had everything all over the place strawberry plants, everything all over the place even trying to eat some of the stuff so um, it happened that night and it happened the next night, three nights in a row The dog went into that. Well, I'll tell you, by that stage, we were in fine form. I can imagine Jane was in fine settle, I can tell you. So anyway, she decided that one way or another this dog was not going to get in. So we got these great big stones and put them right right around all the bottom of the thing so that there was just no way in. And sure enough, he hasn't gone in yet. Now, the reason I'm telling you that is this. In life, there'll always be some kind of a dog that'll come to try and upset the things that you want to see growing in your life there'll always be an enemy there'll always be there'll always be something or some some situation or some person there's always the enemy is very very clever he's the bible describes him as being very subtle he's very very clever and devious and he knows how to how to upset what you want to grow in your life you know you you have to you have to make your mind up that you want to abide in the vine. And you know what they, you know what the result says? The result says that you become the friend. The friend of God. Imagine, Abraham in the Old Testament, he was known as the friend of God. Jesus says, you are my friends if you do what I command. Be in the friend of God. Remember that beautiful old hymn? What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to him in prayer. Jesus wants you and me to abide in him. He wants you and he wants me to have this to to bear the fruit, a replication of him, of his love and what he looks like and who he is. That our lives might become more and more like Jesus. And as we become more and more like him, we become more and more happy. Why? Because we're becoming the way that he first created human beings to be. In the garden, his plan was that we would be like him and shine like him and have his likeness and his glory. But it was all destroyed by the lies of the enemy who told the lies to eve and who everything fell apart we talk about the fall everything fell apart at the beginning and jesus came to die to restore us not just as a as an insurance policy to get us to heaven and oh praise god that is where we will be we'll be with him in the new heaven and the new earth we have an amazing future but not only that not only that we could be like him now We can begin to show his likeness to a world that's in darkness and chaos and confusion and trouble. And we can show what it's like to live in him and to reflect his beauty, to show the world his likeness. That is what he is calling for us to do. This morning, just I'm going to say this and then I'm going to finish. This morning... um, This verse was going through my mind a lot. We read it in the prayer room, and I'm just going to to repeat it to you now. It's found in Habakkuk in the Old Testament. This man, Habakkuk, everything had gone wrong. And I'm not going to read those verses, but he talks about all the stuff that had gone wrong. And I want to say to you today, there may be things in your life that have gone wrong that you wish were different. But listen to what Habakkuk says. Although all this stuff had gone wrong, here's what he says, verse 18 of Habakkuk 3. Yet he says... I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet. He will make me walk on my high hills. I want to say to you today, even whenever things are going wrong, there is a joy that only comes from God. And he wants us to experience it. This word joy in Habakkuk is the idea of dancing For joy, it's the idea of leaping for joy, to spin around with intense motion. It talks about how God dances over us. He dances over you in joy. How God wants you to know the joy that He feels over you, and and I just want to read this wee bit to you. God dances for joy over you, and because of it, and and. And the righteous Messiah shall rejoice in God's salvation with an intensity that the psalmist cannot find words to describe. In turn, his redeemed citizens are joyful in their king. They praise him with dances, with instruments, and with singing. Although everything is wrong in Habakkuk's external world, he is leaping for joy over his fellowship with Yahweh. That's just a little note in my Bible. Listen, we can have this fellowship of being one with Christ. All of these ingredients, they're all there for us to just throw in the mix and to enjoy and to dance for joy because our lives have purpose because we belong to Christ. So, Father, I just pray that you would speak deeply to us this morning. Help us to know, Lord, that your word can cleanse us. Help us to know, Lord, that you are on your throne and that you... That you love us today and that you want us to have an encounter with you the risen lord lord i pray that you would minister to every heart in this place today Lord, whatever the need is whatever is going on i pray oh lord that you would speak in a deep deep way and i pray oh lord that there would be fruit fruitfulness come out of this gathering this morning i pray oh god that you would do a new thing in our lives that there would be that there would be little little buds begin to spring thank you father for being with us you know ladies one of the things that I have noticed about Jane since since she started to grow these things the excitement whenever a little shoot comes forth she's running in and she's so excited because she sees life bursting forth you know sometimes the seeds are so small and sometimes it's the little things in your life that maybe you think aren't important but those seeds of faith and those seeds of obedience to what you know god wants you to do or what he wants you to say those seeds are so powerful and they will shoot up might take a little while before they shoot but jane comes in so excited these days because just because something's just shut up a little bit it's so exciting there's something about life in the vine that makes for joy And I pray today that you and I will experience more of that joy in our lives as we live in him, in obedience to him, doing it his way, speaking out his words, loving the way he loves and receiving his love in return, letting his love flow through us. You know, we've got to receive if we want it to go out. And as we receive from him, let there be a river of life flow out of our lives for his glory to bring glory to him and to know that he is our friend and he's with us today. We're going to sing again, again we're going to sing this song, My Troubled Soul. Why so cast down? You were not made to bear this heavy load. Cast all your burdens upon the Lord. You know the Lord loves you this morning and he doesn't want you to be troubled. He wants you to know his peace. He wants you to know his joy. So bless you as we sing this song.